be in Romans 13, 14, excuse me, Romans 14 this afternoon. Romans chapter 14. I mentioned this on Wednesday night. This is a chapter or a passage that I don't remember hearing messages on. Uh, again, it's not to say that my pastor didn't preach on them. I worked in junior church for most of my teenage years and college years, so maybe they preached on it, obviously, during then. I just don't remember hearing sermons on this passage, and as a uh, preacher, it's to me, it's been one of the more encouraging chapters in the Bible uh, when it talks about Christian living and how we should live as Christians. And uh, yet, there is also the... Um, the desire by some to kind of avoid this chapter in the Bible because it kind of gives liberty to people um, when, when if you want control, then and you're not going to like this chapter because it's going to take all the control out of your hands. I don't have a good title for you today. We're talking about biblical principles uh, that have been abandoned by Christians, and um, for lack of a better, better title, I would just simply say um, we have abandoned the principle uh, that the Bible teaches us of who we are responsible for. Um, who is our main responsibility? Now, we are responsible to share the gospel with the whole world, the Bible tells us, but when it comes to living and abiding by biblical standards and biblical principles, God uh, oftentimes throughout Scripture and in this chapter teaches us that I'm responsible for me. I'm not responsible for you. Uh, how you live is what you're going to answer to God about, and how I live is what I'm going to answer to God about. Now, I'm in a unique circumstance that I'm a pastor of a church, and, and I believe that I am responsible for what our church does, and I believe I answer to God for what uh, goes on in the church that I allow to go on in the church. Needless to say, if someone does something that's wrong and I say we shouldn't do that and, and it goes on anyhow and, and, and I leave or whatever, I don't feel like I answer for that, but I do answer for what I allow to go on in the church. And, uh, but when it comes to a personal standards, when it comes to uh, determining what God desires for my life and for my house, I am responsible for me, and I'm not, as a Christian, responsible for you. That is you. You answer to God for what you do. And we spend so much time worrying about what everyone else is doing that we oftentimes ignore what is going on in my own life. We spend so much time judging other people for their wickedness that I seem to ignore my wickedness. And we go through all these things in life, working and judging, and, and, uh, and in some cases it is with the right motive that I'm trying to help someone, yet still in my attempt to be, if I can use the word religious, I fail to be godly. And I believe this chapter teaches us several things that will help us. So I'm going to ask five questions this morning, and then they're all going to start with the words, who is and uh, we'll look at these five things today. Let's just read as kind of a starting point before we pray, starting in verse number one. The Bible says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. It's referring to meats offered to idols and things like that, not not as we would think of it as going to Golden Corral versus going to the salad bar. But nonetheless, verse number three, let him that eateth despise, let him that eateth despise, nah, I'm skipping the word, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. 
Let not, did I, did I read that one right finally? Okay, good. I've, yeah. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Gives you kind of an idea of the attitude or the mindset going into this chapter. And we're going to look at all of it this morning uh, in the time that the Lord allows us to have. God, I pray for your help this morning as we look at this passage. And God, we are, um, have been raised to, an, to, to a degree in American Christianity to feel like we are better than other people. And God, oftentimes in our attempt to be religious, we become pious and prideful. And God, in our, we become pharisaical in the way that we act. And I pray that, God, you would, you would protect our hearts and our minds Lord, we would be uh, constantly diving into your word and studying and learning and growing close to you. But God, today I pray that as we look at Romans 14, Lord, as I presented, it would be done clearly and correctly. God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that, that we would receive what you want us to receive today. That we can go out and love our neighbors better because of your word and what we learned from it this morning. So God, I pray for your help and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at these five questions. Questions num Question number one is, who is able? Who is able? We see here in these first four verses, as uh, we, we dive into it, that it talks about the weaker brother. Him who is weak in the faith, receive ye. Weak in the faith, talking about him who um, does not have as much wisdom or knowledge in the things of God. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily a young Christian it means that someone who has not learned the Bible and understands the Bible and understands how to appropriately uh, take God's principles and apply it to their lives. In most cases, it's younger Christians, but not always. And so you see this person, and he starts off by simply saying, receive this Christian. You know, don't ever get to the point where you're only accepting the Bible scholars and you're rejecting those who are weak in the faith. Don't ever get to the point where you're re accepting only those who look uh, as religious as you are as opposed to those who have yet to grown into maybe what God desires for them. So that's the first kind of part of this. But then he says, and he brings it up, and I already mentioned it, those that believe uh, that you can eat all things. In this case, you're talking about, remember, Jews and Gentiles, and you're talking about Christianity as the church is growing and blossoming and, uh, and, and the gospel is spreading throughout the world. And you have some people who hold tight to the old Jewish ceremonial laws. And obviously the Gentiles aren't going to hold to those things. And, and, and even now some of the Jews that are coming along are saying, but well, that just shouldn't matter anymore. And it didn't because at the, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, now we are under grace uh, as opposed to the law. Now we, are under, we have liberties that maybe were not had before because of what Christ did for us. But yet there were still those who were saying you cannot eat these things and, and, and be godly and be obedient to God. And there were others who said it doesn't really matter what you eat, it's just food. And you go on and through those things. But so he's saying about those, those he says if you uh, choose not to eat, don't despise those that eat. If you choose to eat, don't despise those that don't eat. Whatever it may be. And it says at the end of verse 3, uh, for God hath received him. This is the most crucial point of any sermon is to understand that God is smarter than me and God knows more than me. And God says to his disciples at one point, if they're not 
if, they're, if, they're not, if they are for us, then they're not against us. They're with us. Don't be mad at them because they do it a little differently than you. Don't be mad at them because they're not uh, with us on a daily basis. If they're for us, then, then they're with us. Let's celebrate that, that point. God hath received him, the weaker brother. Now, <laughs> there's, there would be different views on who is weaker. Uh, I heard one preacher say that because his standards are higher, that he is considered the weaker brother. And I don't know that, I, that, that you can make that blanket statement and, and be true, but I think we're going to see some things about that here in just a moment. Those that held these ceremonial laws, God here refers to them as the weaker in, in a situation, and we'll see it here in a moment. But it's not to say that if you have low standards that you're stronger than the person with high standards or anything like that. As actually, as a matter of fact, the point of this sermon is that you shouldn't care what the other person's standards are. You should be worried about what your standards are according to what God desires it for your life. In verse 4, he says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? So you look at this way and you say, This man is this man's servant, which means that he answers to his master. He doesn't answer to you. Who are you to judge this man? He should be judged by his master and his master alone. And so he says that here in verse number 4. And then he says, To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holding up. He, he will be corrected. He will be uh, uh, doing what he's supposed to do. He will be responsible for God is able to make him stand. This weaker that comes in, his master is God. It is not you. It is not the church. It is not the pastor. It is God. And if he is faithful to do what God desires for him to do, God will hold him up. God is able to do so. God does not need you to fix somebody. God is able to do it on his own. Now, may God use you? Sure. May God, and we talked about it different times, but to come in and to be edifying, to be encouraging, to have that Christian godly fellowship can be so helpful to someone. For an, uh, an older Christian to mentor and to disciple and to train a younger Christian, to help them to learn and to grow, that's all positive and that's all good. But God is able to, to help this person stand because God is their master. Not me and not you. You think about it, God was able to split the Red Sea. He was able to calm a storm by simply speaking. He was able to feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. He was able to heal the blind, the lame, those that had never walked before. He was able to say, arise and walk, and they ran. He healed lepers. He raised the dead. He withheld rain. He flooded the world. He is able. Jesus Christ died, was dead he was buried for three days and he rose again from the dead. God is able. Who is able? God is able, not me. I'm not able. Listen, I might have life experiences that I can share with someone else that can encourage them that are going through the same thing that I went through. I might have Bible wisdom and knowledge that I can share, can counsel and help people with. Yes, but if I'm using God's word, it's God that's doing it. God is able. So we have to understand who is able and it is God. Number two, who is right? Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're alive, at some point in your life, you've had the argument about who was right. Me or you. Me or my friend. Me or my parents. Me or my spouse. Me or my employer. Me or whoever. You've had the argument, who is right? 
Look in verse number 5. The Bible says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. So we're talking about the Sabbath, we're talking about worshiping, we're talking about when we should do things. Some people said it's on this day, some people said it's every day, uh, some people said it's, it's, it doesn't really matter, whatever it may be. And so he says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. He that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it, saying, this person who says this day is special is saying it because he believes, because God uh, says that it is. And the person who says that, that it, it's, it's just it's, every day is the same, he's doing it not against God, but for the Lord. Then he says there in uh, verse number, still in verse 6, He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. Again, they're all doing it for the same purpose. They're just doing different, correct? So these that don't eat, they don't eat because they believe God doesn't want them to. Them that do eat, they still give thanks to God for the food that God provided for them. Neither of them have wicked hearts or wicked minds. They simply are doing what they're doing because they believe it's what God desires for them to do. Verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow, to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself uh, to God. Who is right? The answer is God is. Who is right? God is. You see, we spend so much time arguing about who is right, we forget to realize that God is trying to teach me something. Well, I'm right, and I'm right, and you have to do it this way, and you have to do it like this, and you have to act like this, and look like this, and sing like this, and talk like this, and all these sorts of things. You've got to do it the way that I do it, because I am right. This is hard for us to comprehend, but there is potential that I can be right doing this, and this person can be right doing that. Now listen, the Bible is not talking about doctrine, by the way. There is one Bible doctrine. There is the truth of Scripture and that stands on its own. We're talking about applying biblical principles to our lives. And I might do things because God has told me to. Or I might not do things because God has told me not to. And this person might do things differently than I do them, but he does them because God has told them to or not to. Who is right? God is. In that, in that situation, maybe we both are, but we know for sure God is. Because if God tells me to do it, I better do it. And if God tells me not to do it, then I better not do it. Because God is right. So many times we try to figure out how I'm right, and everyone should listen to me, and we just completely ignore what God is. Listen, <clears throat> there are things that are clear as day in the Bible in black and white or red and white, however it's printed in your Bible, clear as day, this is right and this is wrong. We can't argue that. If it says it in the Bible, it's true and it's right, and we stand by that. 
There are other areas that, that the Bible gives us the principles, and then we take that and we take it to prayer with God. And we allow God to speak to us and show us what he desires for our heart. God is always right. That brings us to question number three, who is wrong? Because if someone's right, someone has to be wrong, right? Who is wrong? Verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge us rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Now again, I want to point this out real quick. This is talking Christian to Christian. If somebody in the world says, I'm offended by your stance on abortion, I could care less. If someone in the world says, I'm offended by your stance on uh, the immoral lifestyle that they're living, I could care less. It's not about me and the world. At this, this passage is about me and the fellow Christians. Brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister. It's important because the world will tell you, no, you need to accept me the way I am. The Bible tells us very clearly, no, we accept what God accepts. That doesn't mean that we're mean and rude and angry, but we accept what God accepts. But in this passage, in this context, we're talking brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister. Verse 15. Uh, yes, verse 15. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Who is wrong? The person who is wrong is the one who tries to force on someone else their thoughts and opinions, even though God has told them not to do those things or to do those things. The person who is wrong is the person who judges the other Christian for doing something that God has told them to do. You see here he talks about in verse 14, he says, I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. He said, I can eat this meat. There's nothing wrong with it. God has made it very clear to me. It's okay for me to eat this. But he says there in verse 14, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. God told him it's in his heart, if he eats that, he is sinning. So then he says in verse 15, if he be grieved by thy meat, meaning that you are uh, trying to get him to do it, meaning that you are making fun of him for not doing it, meaning that if you are uh, 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 blasting it in his face, that uh, there's nothing wrong with it, what's your problem, those kinds of things. He says, now walkest thou not charitably. We talked about charity, didn't we? We talked about what love is in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 13, 2, it says you can do all these things, but if you have not charity, I am nothing. You see, it comes back to loving thy neighbor. Who is wrong? The person who doesn't love their neighbor. And in this case, it's talking about our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you are, are causing grief to him, if you are, are trying to hurt him, if you are trying to tell them there's nothing wrong, if you're trying... And listen, if you could take Bible verses and say, this is what the Bible says, and it's black and white, and it's, it's right here for you, this is what the Bible teaches, that's different than what we're talking about here. This is a deal where two people disagree on a standard. And we say, no, you have to have my standard. Well, then you're not walking charitably. 
Destroy not him with thy meat, it says in verse 15, for whom Christ died. The blame here is on what we would consider to be the strong as opposed to the weak. When the strong tries to overtake the weak, that's a problem. It's unbiblical. It's wrong. Who is able? God is able. Who is right? Well, God is right. Who is wrong? Whom that doesn't love their neighbor? Number four, who is approved? Who is approved? Look in verse 18. For he that, is, uh, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Who is approved? In verse 18, the Bible tells us that the person who in these things serveth Christ is acceptable. Meaning, God is pleased. And then it says, and approved of men. But I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, I don't care if I'm a, I say this, and I mean it. I don't care if I'm approved of men as long as I'm accepted by Christ. And if I'm accepted by Christ, then I'm approved by the men that God wants me to be approved by. Our, our concern should never be about pleasing people. It should be about loving people, but not about pleasing people. If we please God, the people in whom God wants us uh, to be pleased with, they'll be pleased with us. And so we see here this, this mindset or this thought that uh, that I can be accepted or approved by Christ if I simply do these things that he's teaching me to do. In verse 16, let not your good be evil spoken of. Well, I eat meat. There's nothing wrong with it. But the way that I'm acting, my good action, doing what God has told me is fine for me to do, is now going to be evil spoken of because of the way that I acted. I'm, I'm not going to be accepted or approved because of those things. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 18, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 18, for, uh, for, for not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. For not he who, who uh, commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Listen, it doesn't matter if I can pat myself on the back. It doesn't matter if I do something and feel good about it. It matters if God is pleased by it. I told the story, and so I should, should come up with a new illustration, but in Indiana, we, we implemented the rule at the church where if you didn't faithfully attend church, you couldn't work in the kids' program. Uh, we had a Sunday night uh, Awanas and uh, lots of workers in there, and we just had an issue with basically, especially when Awanas wasn't active, those people wouldn't come to church they would only come if Awanas was going on, the, the workers. So we made the rule, implemented the rule, went through the summer and had a family that, a couple families that didn't come. They came on Sunday mornings, but they didn't come the rest of the, the time. So by the end of the summer, I just I approached the family and I said, hey, you know, we put in this rule and, you know, you didn't come at all <laughs> on Sunday nights. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to have to take you out of Awana. They got upset about it, they were leaving the church and uh, the uh, the wife actually called me up and said, you know, this is why my husband's so upset about this. And and he said, it, it, um, in working in Awana, it made him feel good. 
And listen, I was young and probably could have handled the situation better, but I said, it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't work in Awana to make us feel good. We should work in Awana to, to serve God and to help kids. And we can't do that if we're not being an example that we should be for them. And oftentimes we do things that we say we're doing for God, but we're only doing it to pat ourselves on the back because it makes us feel good. Or it makes us think that we are accomplishing something. And we're kind of checking off uh, a checklist for God. And God doesn't like that. God's not pleased with that. God wants our heart. He wants us to love Him and desire Him and, and want to serve Him. Who is approved? Well, it's the one who does the things that God has asked Him to do. Number five, and lastly this morning, who is my concern? Who is my concern? Look in verse 22. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that commendeth not himself in the things which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Here in this passage, it's talking about the simple fact of the person who says, I don't think God wants me to eat this, but everybody else is doing it, so I guess I will. Well, no, that's sin. If God's told you not to, then you better not. If with a clear conscience I can do what I'm doing for God, then everything is fine. But if I'm doing what I'm doing because some other Christian's doing it and I feel like it's wrong, but if they're doing it, it must be okay. No, it's sin. And it comes back to this simple thought of, I'm concerned about me. I answer to God for the things that I do. Look back in verse number 5. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. This is talking about conviction, not pressure. I do this because I believe it's what God wants me to do. Or I don't do this because I believe God does not want me to do it. So I am not going to do it. That's fully persuaded. Fully persuaded in his own mind, convicted, knowing that God does not or does want me to do. Not pressured because everybody else is doing it. It's the excuse we use as kids, right? Mom, everybody else is doing it. Well, would you jump off a bridge? Probably. If you think about it, well, if everybody else is doing it and they jump off the bridge, well, I mean, if they did it and they didn't go splat, then sure, I'll do it too. You see, we ought to be fully persuaded in our own minds, convinced and convicted. I think the, the words are very similar in meeting. Convinced and convicted that I'm doing what I'm doing because of what God has told me to do. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? This is a familiar passage, Matthew chapter 7, but it's a great passage that uh, covers this same, same idea. Starting in verse number 1, Matthew 7, verse number 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And ye with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? 
Look at this verbiage that God uses in verse 5. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt uh, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You see, again, it's looking at other people and seeing all their problems and seeing all their sin and seeing all their wickedness. And it's so easy to do that we're ignoring the issues in our own lives. He says there in verse uh, 4, hey, you're being kind, right? Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. You're saying, let me help you. Let me solve your problems. Let me uh, uh, give you help. Let me uh, uh, help you with these sin problems in your life. And yet, when you turn to pull the mote out of his eye, you hit him in the head with your own beam that's sticking out of your eye. You can't reach. Your arms aren't long enough because your beam is blocking the way. God says you're a hypocrite if you do that. First, take care of your own sins. First, take care of your own hindrances. First, take care of your own stumbling blocks. First, take care of yourself before you go out and judging other people for the sin that's in their life. Who is my concern? I am. I've never met a person who felt like they were perfect. I've met some really good people, people who from looking from the outside, you look in and go, boy, I don't see any fault in their life. But I've yet to meet a person who feels like they are perfect. You know why that is? It's because there is not a man. There is not a woman who is perfect, save alone Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we have abandoned this principle of judge not that you be not judged, of take care of the beam in your eye before you worry about the mote in thy brother's eye. We have abandoned the thought that I need to get closer to God. Because we're so caught up on the fact that everyone else needs to get better. You know, I believe we're all guilty of it. I am. So oftentimes we just look around and we go, no, what I'm doing is not that bad. I grew up in a Christian school and a Christian home and a good church. I call it the Christian bubble. We're so often times when we look inside our bubble and we think, we look on the outside of that bubble and we go, boy, everything out there is bad. So what I'm doing is really not that big of a deal. Growing up in a Christian home and a Christian school and youth group and a good church, all these things, I always heard about drinking and drugs. Never had a problem with that. It was never, never in front of me. Never offered to me, never tempting to me. I mean, I spelled spoiled grain from the horses thought that smelled disgusting and the other guys are like it smells like beer I'm like well that doesn't seem appetizing <laughs> it was never a problem for me and in my bubble I looked out there and go well at least I'm not drinking and doing drugs so I must be okay my concern wasn't me my concern was everybody else well at least I don't talk like that you see the problem, there was still a problem in my life. There was still sin in my life. At my best, my sin is pride. I'm not going to tell you what it is at my worst, but at my best, 
My sin is pride. You see, I've got things in my own life that I need to, to solve. I have things in my own life that I need to take to God. I have principles and standards in my own life that I need to set based on what God tells me to set. We have to be aware, and we didn't cover it today, but we have to be aware of what others are doing so that we don't are offensive to them. I use the example a lot of time. You know, I grew up in a ministry that uh, did not want women wearing pants. It was a rule. You couldn't. And their philosophy on it was that it was wrong for women to do so. It was immodest or it was uh, wearing clothes that men or whatever. The point is this. We abided by those rules when we lived there. And when we go back there, guess what? We still abide by those rules. We don't flaunt our liberty, our differences. Oftentimes, we have to just be aware of what's going on around us. I've shared this story recently, but in Indiana, I was preaching one day, and we were talking about music for whatever reason. I it wasn't even a sermon on music. I don't know why it even came up. Um, but I said something and said, as long as I'm the pastor here, we're never going to have drum sets on the platform. And I'd heard that my entire life. Didn't think anything of it. I got done with the message. I walked to the back of the auditorium. I handed the microphone, the lapel mic, to the sound guy in the back of the auditorium. And I would stand by the door and shake people's hands as they left. Remember that when we were allowed to shake people's hands? Uh, and uh, I handed him the lapel mic. And the, my sound man, he said, he said, hey, pastor, he said, you said that while you were the pastor here, you'd never have drums on the platform. I said, yeah. He goes, why? I said, well, uh, because we're not supposed to. I mean, I've been told my whole life drums are bad. Listen, I, I don't believe that a drum set is evil and wicked. I still won't have it in my church. And you say, well, why not? Because I'm offended by it. You don't have to be offended by it. You don't have to think it's wrong. You don't have to agree with me on it, but I'm still not going to have it in my church because it offends me. And it could offend someone else. Why do we sing out of the hymn book for our congregations? It's, it's on our website if you didn't know this. It's because hymns aren't going to offend anybody. It's not to say that new songs are bad. We sing some new songs for specials and things like that, and, and, uh, and I'm still very careful with what we do with specials. And I'm careful because I know that it could offend somebody. And we don't want to do something that's going to cause someone to stumble. I grew up hearing, man, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail. I'm going to tell it to you anyhow. I grew up hearing that uh, contemporary Christian music was evil. And the reason why it was evil, I was told, is because it sounds like rock music. And we've all heard songs that sound like rock music. I understand that. But those same people would also have no problem with southern gospel music, which sounded like country music. So as I got older and smarter, I said, you can't preach against contemporary Christian music for that reason if you're not going to preach against Southern Gospel music. It's the same concept. Now, you might have other reasons for why it's evil and wrong, and I know people who go into great detail on the syncopation and all that kind of stuff, and, and that's fine. The point is this. What has God told you to do? And what has God told you to refrain from? In your home, that's what matters. Now, in this church, again, I believe I answer to God for what goes on here. So I'm going to be very cautious and very careful. And just because we don't do something doesn't mean that I think it's evil and wicked. The point is, what has God told you to do? I've prayed about the standards that we put in place at our church. And we do it based on what we believe God has told us to do. 
you should do the same in your own life. And instead of looking across at the other person and go, I can't believe they do that, those wicked heathens. You better remember God's looking at you going, you hypocrite. I've told you to do this and you're not doing it. I've told you not to do this and you're still doing it. Who's your concern? It's you. You should be what God wants you to be. Your house should be what God wants it to be. And this church should be what God wants it to be. And we do it all by being understanding of the fact that we might be different. And that it's still okay. We love each other the same. And we just continue to strive to draw closer and closer and closer to God. And let everything else be God's problem. And not your own. God, I pray for your help. I pray that we would not fall into the stereotypical Baptist church that so many in the community assume is judgmental, harsh, hateful. God, I pray that we would be a church that as people walk into our church, no matter what they look like, God, that they would feel welcomed for the purpose that we are a church that simply just loves you, Lord. God, I pray that you'd help us to put the blinders on in the sense that we're not judging other people, but God, that we are looking deep with inside ourselves. Lord, that we are asking you to search me, O oh God. We wouldn't be the people that go, boy, they sure needed that sermon. Boy, I should give them this verse. They really need that. We look down on people because they're different. God, help us to simply just be looking up with our eyes focused on you and what you desire for us. God, I pray for your, your help in this church, me as a pastor. God, I understand that not everything that we do here everyone will agree with. But God, I pray that you would help us to be seeking you and you alone and that we would do always what you desire for us to do. God, cleanse our hearts of pride, of wickedness, sin. And God, help us to keep our eyes on you and on the mirror, worrying about what we should worry about. Help us to properly love not only our neighbors, but God, our brothers and our sisters. God, use us to be an example to everyone else. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to stand. The piano is going to play. Maybe God's spoken to you this morning about an area in your life that isn't right. Maybe you haven't been judgmental or judging other people, but there's an area in your life that you know God's told you not to do or to do, and you haven't been listening and obeying to God. This morning, would you commit to God to do or not do those things? Maybe God has spoken to you today about a judgmental attitude or spirit you've had towards someone else. Would you ask God for forgiveness? Get your eyes back where they should be. Maybe God's spoken to you about something else this morning. Whatever it is, now is the time to commit it to the Lord. You can come to the front and kneel if you'd like. You could stay at your seat. That's fine as well. But as the piano plays, I'll be quiet. And let's just do business with the Lord, what he desires for us to do this morning. Thank you.
Lord, thank you for your word and what we can learn from it. And I pray that because of your word, Lord, we would draw closer to you. Help us to be what you want us to be, Lord, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We'll be dismissed for the afternoon. We'll be back at 1 o'clock. If you can join us, we'd sure love to have you back as we get back into Jeremiah. We've been off of that for a couple weeks now, but we're getting back into it uh, this week. So we'll be back uh, to today at 1 o'clock and then Wednesday night at 7 o'clock as well. Thank you all for being here this morning. Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.